0: All right, welcome to 1111. Hey, glad that you're here today. And uh, I've been out doing some foreign mission work on our west campus the past several Sundays um, off of I-10. And i having a great time out there. So it's good to be back home here at 1111. Yeah. When I was a little kid, um, my mom, when she would tuck my brother Ed and I in at night... Would always read to us uh, bedtime stories. And one of the stories I remember her reading to us was a little book, a children's book, it's a classic, called The Little Engine That Could. How many of you remember? Raise your hand, raise them at home there. If you remember the story of The Little Engine That Could. Okay, in case you've forgotten the story, let me run it through quickly, okay? So the story is about a long train that someone is trying to pull over this steep, steep mountain. So the train breaks down and they're on a deadline and they need to find another locomotive. They need to find another engine that can pull that heavy train up and over the mountain to the other side. So they find some, you know, big, just jacked up strong you know engine that's tan and shaves his arms and works out you, you know that kind of engine and they asked him to do it and he said no I can't do it I'm too busy I gotta get my protein shake I don't have time for that this is my paraphrase of the story by the way and Then they ask kind of a medium-sized engine, hey, will you do it? And he looks at the tall climb up the mountain and says, nah, I don't think I can do it. I don't know if I can make it. I don't want to burn out, you know. And so finally they look around, they see this little blue engine. And they come up to this little blue engine and they say, hey, can you pull this heavy train up and over that mountain to the other side? And the little engine cocks his head, thinks about it, gets on the track, hitches himself to that long, heavy load, that train, those cars behind him. And the little engine says that phrase. Do you remember it? I, this section remembered it. I think I can I think I can. So the little engine starts the climb and he keeps huffing and puffing. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then he gets a little bit higher up the climb. He gets midway up that mountain and he's like, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can can. And then he's almost there, and he's really slowing down. He's running out of steam. It's like, I think I can. I think I can. And as a four-year-old trying to go to bed or extend your bedtime, you're thinking, oh, little engine that could. Is he going to make it? Is he going to take the train to the other side of the mountain? Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And finally he huffs And he puffs, and he thinks he can, and he gets to the top of the mountain and makes it to the other side. And as he's going down the other side of the mountain, do you remember what the little engine that could said? I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. Yeah. The little engine that could, a story to me that never gets old. It's a wonderful story, a simple story. But I like it. Why? Because it's about an underdog. It's about someone that had been looked over, that was called upon to meet a great challenge. But also, it's a story about a mountain. About a mountain that no one wanted to take, no one wanted to accept the challenge, but the little engine that could, had the confidence, had the moxie to hitch up his car, his locomotive to the train and make it all the way to the top. A mountain. If we could bring everyone up here on the platform today, everyone would say, hey, I've got a mountain in my life right now. I have a mountain that's steep. I have a mountain that's rugged. I have a mountain in front of me that scares me, that makes me nervous and anxious. And I don't know if I can take it or not. Some of us have a mountain in front of us and we don't want to do it. There's no, I think I can, I think I can. There is, I won't, I won't. I won't. We don't engage our will to face that mountain. And what I want to propose to you here today is this. And what I want you to think about here today is this it's a what if question. What if your mountain is your moment? What if the mountain that you have to face right now, what if that mountain? Is your moment a God ordained moment that you have to face, that you have to climb? How do we do it? How do we face our mountain? How do we make our climb? Well, let's look at and let's listen to one of the most experienced mountain climbers, one of the most experienced little engine that could, who's ever lived in the history of mankind, it's a guy by the name of Paul. And actually his name means little. It means little. He's he's the original little engine that could, right? So Paul has been and climbed up many mountains. He's got the scars. He's got the stories to talk about it. And he's going to tell us today how we are to face our mountain. Now, of course, he does that in the context of a Incredible chapter, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 following. So we've been in Philippians 4 for several weekends now. I believe it's the most um, practical and encouraging chapter in the entire Bible. Now Paul is writing this letter and he has some interesting circumstances. Where is Paul when he's writing it? He's not stuck in Folsom prison. He's stuck in Roman prison and they're persecuting me, right? He can hear the train of coming. Paul's in prison. He's in the clink. He's writing to this church that's in northern Greece in Philippi, an encouraging letter. It's really kind of a thank you note and we'll get to that next week. But here's what he says to them about the climb. Philippians 4.10, he says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at least you have revived your concern for me. And indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Now next week, we're going to talk about that verse. It's a message called New Supply. That's next week. All right, promo. Verse 11, let's go look at the climb. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned this secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Wow. I want to know that secret. Why? Because many times I'm discontent many times I'm disappointed. Many times I allow my circumstances to dictate my moods and my emotions and my attitudes. Paul says, listen, I don't do that. He says, I've detached myself from my circumstances and I have learned. By the way, I've learned through experience. It's empirical. You can't just memorize this secret that we're going to look at in a few moments. You can't just memorize it or tattoo it to your arm or chest. It's not going to work that way. You have to experience it. Paul said, I've experienced it. He said, hey, listen, I enjoy times of prosperity. I've had times of abundance in my life. He says, man, I've had times where I can sit down and have a steak dinner with baked potato and sour cream and key lime pie for dessert. You know what? I can do that. I'm happy there. You know what? I've had times in my life when all I had was a Dixie cup of water and some old crusty bread. And you know what? I can do that as well. Filet mignon or a little Ritz cracker, it doesn't matter. I can do it. Circumstances, whether I've got this feast in front of me where I'm having a little bit of a famine here, it doesn't matter to me. I've been through the school of hard knocks. I've been accoladed and lifted up and praised and loved. That doesn't matter either. I'm immune to it. I found the secret of contentment. Strange. In our culture, it's written in the documents of our nation that we have the right to pursue happiness. That's kind of wild, isn't it? We have the right to pursue happiness. And a lot of us, there's that, it's an unspoken goal or an unspoken, I don't know, uh, cultural norm out there that we think if we can just make it, get to the top of the mountain, have that prosperity then we'll be happy. If I can just get enough people following me, if I can just invent something, if I can just get that position in the company, if I can just live in that neighborhood, if I can just drive that car, if I can just have their body, if I can just weigh that much, then I'll be happy. I don't know about that. Prosperity... Fame, fortune, all those people is a burden that most people can't handle. I was watching a video this week. They had some, you know, A-list celebrities. They were interviewing them. Cameron Diaz and Jay-Z and Jim Carrey and who else was on there? uh, Eric Clapton, if you can go back with me there. And they were talking about their life and they were talking about the fame that they have, and the millions of people that loved him, and the money they had, and the travel they could have, and the looks. And they were talking about that. And they said that so many people come up to them and say, Wow, you must be perpetually happy. You're there, you're at the top. Look what you have. And almost all of the celebrities in that video said, No, it didn't do it for me. I'm not happy. I'm empty. One of them said, when I was at the pinnacle of my career and worth millions and millions of dollars and had a future in front of me and all the love and adulation, he said, I felt like taking my own life every single day. Discontent. Restless. Empty. Empty. When they supposedly found what we think will make us happy. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Oh, but I will be different. (laughs) God, try me out on this prosperity deal, you know? This fame deal, this money deal, this, oh, this look, I, I, I can handle it. Paul says, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I can be rich. I can enjoy riches. You know what? I can be dirt poor, persecuted, stuck in Roman prison, stuck in prison. Yeah. I'm still going to keep moving on, keep moving forward, keep encouraging people. Doesn't matter. Circumstances don't really matter to me because I've discovered the secret. What's the secret, Paul? Let's look at Philippians 4.13. Here it is. Here's what he writes. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Another version says, I can do all things through him who infuses me with strength. That's it. That's why I'm content, he says. It's not because what I have or because of what I don't have. It's not because I'm loved and being worshipped or I'm down in the dumps and being persecuted. You know what? Christ is with me. Christ is in me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, but I can through him, I can through him. So let's, let's break it down. Let's break down this powerful, iconic verse, Philippians 4, 13. Let's break it down, let's ask some questions. First of all, first question, is what's our position? As we're facing a mountain that we have to climb, that we have to scale, an arduous trip, what, what is our position? position what is our posture i posture is what i can let's say that together i can one more time i can i can paul was an i can kind of guy he was an i can kind of leader he was an i can kind of christian I don't know about you, but I want to be around I-canners in my life, don't you? I, there are enough I-canners. i canters will drag you down. They'll bring you down to the ground. Doesn't mean if you have some i can'ts in your life, you've got to kick them all out. Some of them you need to kick out. You know I'm talking to, you need to kick them out, all the I-canners. If they're dragging you down But you've got to be around some I can folks, some people who will encourage you. That means they're going to pour courage into you. They're going to be there with you at the bottom of the hill. They're going to be with you midway. They're going to be with you as you're struggling to make it to the top. You've got to be around people like Paul who say, I can. What's our potential? Next three words. You see it there. Do all things. I can do all things. Let's say do all things. Do all things. Do all things. I can do all things. And, and, and again, he's not talking about something, you know, silly. Like, well, I believe I can do all things through Christ. So afterwards, I'm going to go up to our, 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 our gym, our FLC, and I'm going to bench press 350 pounds. Ben Young. No. That cannot happen. I can pray, I can fast, I can quote. It's going to crush me. So there are a lot of things that we can't do, obviously. But here he's talking about the ability to get to a place of contentment. Here he's talking about the ability that as we're making that climb to access the power and the provision of God in Christ. Our potential. I can do all things. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And I looked up that word in the Greek and it means no thing. Nothing. Nothing. Paul says, with Christ I can do all things. Alright? So what's our, our, our power? Our power, the next two words, through Christ. Let's say it together. Through Christ, one more time, through Christ who strengthens me. Let's finish it out together. Who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, don't forget this. I, I, I die today after church. You never see me again. Remember this one thing. Just remember this, okay? This book is a hymn book. This book is a hymn book. This book from Genesis to genuine bonded leather is all about one subject, Christ and Christ alone. We do not worship this book. We do not worship the letters and the sentences in this book. We are not Gnostics looking for some special knowledge that you have to decipher in this book. No, this book is a menu that points to the meal. This book Old Testament and New Testament is about Christ. Jesus said to the Pharisees, they said, hey, listen. He said, you guys, search the Scriptures. You've memorized them backwards and forwards and all that. But you searched them in vain because I am the subject of what you're studying. And I'm standing in front of you and you're missing it. After the resurrection, he's talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he opens up the Bible The Old Testament, starting with Moses and the prophets, and shows himself to them in the Scripture. Don't forget this book, this Bible, is a hymn book. It's all about Christ. From Genesis to Revelation to everything in between, it's about Christ and Christ alone. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. What changed Paul from a hater to a lover? From a bigot and a racist to a lover of all mankind? From a persecutor to a preacher? From a missionary to a, you know, from being a, from a murderer to being a missionary? What, what, what changed him? Who changed him? How did that happen? Christ changed him. How did he learn the secret of of detaching from his circumstances? How did he learn the power? It's through Christ. Christ gave him the power. Christ gave him the strength when he needed it. He said, when I am weak, I am strong. God's power, his dynamite, his dunamis is made perfect when we are weak then I'm strong. And then people will say, wow, the power of God, the power of Christ is on your life by grace. The secret of making the climb is I can through him. I can through him. When you start off the climb to face your mountain, you just kind of say it. It's just kind of a sentence. I I can through him. It's not really real yet. Just I can through him, period. And then you start living and you start trusting and you see God empowering you. Then you go, hey, I can through him, exclamation point. And then you make it midway up and you're almost there and you realize, man, I can through him as God comes through and he provides for you and gives you strength. You grow. You crash through your quitting points relying on the power and strength that Christ gives you. Sometimes minute by minute, sometimes hour by hour, day by day if we had time and don't panic men we don't have time but if we did guys we would go back into 2 Corinthians chapters 4 6 and 11 write them down put it in your phone go there later 2 Corinthians 4 6 and 11 there Paul lays out all the junk pain persecution, emotional, and psychological warfare that he endured on the climb. And he said, at those moments, Christ was still with me. He was holding me and he was infusing me with his strength. The lies will keep on coming into your mind. The voice inside of your head is going to say, don't take the challenge. Don't take the climb. The voice inside of your head is going to say, quit, give up, stop trusting, stop praying, stop giving. But you've got to renew your mind with the truth. Renew your mind with what is true and wonderful and praiseworthy and excellent Renew your mind with the I can power and strength of Christ in you. The little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. He had confidence, right? And I like confidence. The Bible says don't throw away your confidence. But you know, you know what's more important than confidence? It's Godfidence, right? So, someone calls Godfidence. And that's what grows inside of us as we're trusting in Christ, as we're surrendering to his power, as we're asking him to help us and to guide us and to lead us. And as we see him come through time after time after time, we're developing Godfidence inside of our life. I don't know what your mountain is. I know some of you are facing the mountain of cancer. Others of you are facing the mountain of grief and loss. Others of you are facing the mountain of a wayward kid who won't answer your calls and texts. You're facing these mountains every single day. We're all facing the mountain of uncertainty. Whatever mountain is that you're facing, God is telling you today through his word, not my word, his word, that you can through him. You can through him. You can through him. Make it. And make it to the top of that mountain.